The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. There's a conspiracy against me, and I will not voluntarily feed it. What conspiracy? Don't you think it's funny that all this is happening the moment I considered running for governor? Rick, I'm used to having enemies, but this is an organized effort to destroy me. So right now, I don't trust anyone. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, July 29th, 2021. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be I can honestly say without the slightest fear of exaggeration that many of you listening to this show may have set a new record for bringing a single issue or event to my attention over the past week or two. Namely, all the links sent to me connecting to the July 12th interview conducted between Drs. Reiner Fulmich and Dr. David Martin. This was over the filing of patents surrounding the gene therapy injections that are being passed off as vaccines. Wow, talk about a smoking gun that points to the culprits behind our whole manufactured pandemic. And in addition to the COVID conspiracy behind that smoking gun that we'll be covering over the course of today's show, we'll also take a look at the conspiracy being exposed behind the election fraud that deprived Donald Trump of his rightful place in the White House. Trump brought his own smoking gun of evidence as he shared it with the crowd in Phoenix, Arizona this past Saturday. Quite a speech. So our conspiratorial analysis gets underway right after our reminder that you can and should write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, hear us on WBCQ and on channel 292 shortwave, follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform, and of course visit us at www.justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archived broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. It never occurred to me after three highly effective vaccines were developed in under a year that we'd have difficulty getting Americans to take the shots. But that's obviously where we are. I want to underscore in the strongest possible manner I can. And I say this with some authority, as you all know, as a result of being a polio victim myself and being very aware that it took seven decades to come up with two effective polio vaccines. This was done in under one year. These shots need to get in everybody's arm as rapidly as possible, or we're going to be back in a situation in the fall that we don't yearn for that we went through last year. The way to defeat getting back into the position we were last year is to get vaccinated. This is not complicated. 97% of the people who are in the hospital now for COVID are unvaccinated. So if there's anybody out there willing to listen, get vaccinated. 
That was the voice of Republican Mitch McConnell announcing the next phase of the fascist lockdown plan in the United States, a plan written many years ago and which is in no way predicated on how many people resist taking the injections. The ever-increasing frenzy about getting people to take an experimental gene therapy injection, an injection whose purpose is completely unrelated to anything corona or virus, is a glaring sign of panic and desperation. Clearly, people aren't buying into the left's so-called vaccination agenda. Those who are promoting the vaccines are desperate because if not enough people get vaccinated, the fraud of COVID-19 will become self-evident, as is already slowly evolving to be the case. But that such an agenda could possibly continue to be pushed in the wake of all the evidence mounting about the harm caused by the vaccines and by the lockdowns, to the COVID fraud as identified by David Martin, is a testament to the reality that no matter how much objective evidence there is against what our politicians have been doing, it won't stop them from doing it. They'll continue to do it. Lockdowns, vaccines, mask mandates, and social distancing are being turned into permanent conditions of our existence. A new normal promoted by the very unnormal and dysfunctional people who think nothing of killing people in the name of saving lives. Canada's Prime Minister Trudeau has already ordered another three-year supply of gene therapy injections, making it very clear that all of the past promises of more freedom through having two vaccines were and are pure BS. To say nothing of the irrational notion of vaccine passports, which indicate nothing about anyone's vaccine record, but merely confirm that they have complied with government mandates to get a permanent series of gene therapy injections, about which we'll be hearing much more as our show progresses. So thank you to all of those who alerted me to the Martin interview. I watched the entire interview with Reiner Fulmick, including even the German parts, which I was still able to follow for the most part given my rusty German skills. The original interview with Reiner was very technical and detailed, listing dozens of patents and patent numbers filed in relationship to the COVID-associated viruses, the PCR test, the gain-of-function funding, gene therapy injections, etc., etc. And for those interested in these unassailable details, this is the one to watch. I mean, these are patents going back decades and, and filed in sequences that made it clear that what we've been forced to endure for the past year and a half was truly a plandemic, though that particular word was never mentioned. And because of the detailed technical nature of that interview, it's not the one I intend to share with you today. Instead, our upcoming audio bite is taken from a follow-up interview that Dr. David Martin had with Stu Peters on his July 19th show that stresses Dr. Martin's conclusions and implications and the motivations behind the data so meticulously detailed in the original. And here's an audio segment taken from that very exchange, the Stu Peters show of July 19th, which itself begins with a brief sample from the original interview. They amended a number of patent filings to specifically make reference to an intentional or accidental release, I'm sorry, their term, deliberate release of coronavirus. So in March, they amended four failed patent applications to begin the process of a coronavirus vaccine development. And they began dealing with a very significant problem that they had which was they relied on technology that they did not own. 
two Canadian companies, Arbutus Pharmaceuticals and Acuitas Pharmaceuticals, actually own the patent on the lipid nanoparticle envelope that's required to deliver the injection of the mRNA fragment. So that was Dr. David Martin in an explosive interview that by every definition of the word has gone viral. My takeaway from that as a layperson, the people's bullhorn up here just investigating this stuff, reporting on it, going to the experts, was that this is absolutely open and shut. This is premeditated mass murder. Dr. David Martin joins us now. We appreciate your time. Is that an accurate assessment, do you think, Dr. Martin? Well, there's no question because when you inject a known toxin, and we're going to get into this when we talk about the biological and chemical weapons uh, laws and treaties of the United States and the world, for that matter. Um, when you inject a known toxin into a person, you are actually injecting an agent of death. That's what you're doing. And you cannot sit there and hide behind the diaphanous fig leaf of going, well, we're doing it in the public interest when you know, no, not have a hunch you know that it is in fact lethal in many instances. Pfizer has even stated that they have an acceptable death rate. I don't know, Stu, do you have an acceptable death rate? Do you, do you, do you have something where you go, well, yeah, that's no, acceptable. No, I mean, of course not. And a lot of people say, well, there are risks with every vaccine. Yeah, it's, yeah but it's not a risk when you know that you are putting a, and get this very carefully, because this is where the RNA story falls apart. People think that somehow or another, a piece of SARS coronavirus was turned into a vaccine. That is not true. A computer simulated synthetic chimeric computer generated code uploaded by the Chinese in January was given to Moderna to put into an injection so that your cells, in the case of the RNA vaccines, so that your cells would produce the S1 spike protein synthesis, not the actual virus, the way we used to do vaccines. This was a computer code uploaded by the Chinese into US manufacturing to inject a pathogen stimulant into the American population. Let's get really, really clear. Yeah, we have to because the interview that you recently did was very yeah. technical. Yeah. Um, and hey, I mean, I watched it. I took away with it what I did and a yeah. lot of people yeah. took away from it other things. But here today, I just really wanna get clear yeah. to everybody who has any questions whatsoever. This was pre-planned. Yes. There are patents dating from what you have discovered all the way back to 2002. Yep. At minimum. Yep. This is a planned genocide. I mean, there's just yeah. really and, and, no and two so, ways about it. So let's, let's take this out of the risk of hyperbole and let's give it to you in the criminal's own words. Yeah. Right now, remember that the person I'm going to now quote is the veterinarian, not physician, veterinarian who was responsible on February 6th and February 7th of 2020 to control the message that this pathogen came from a, a bat somewhere in China, right? This, this is a yeah. story. And we have in Fauci's emails now, we have on February 6th and on February 7th, Peter Daszak on the record 
stating that we need a cover story that distances him and the Chinese from this particular pathogen. And that's in public records. That's not my opinion. But let's listen to his words in 2015, shall we? Because this is the criminal indicting himself. Yeah. We need to increase public understanding of the need for medical countermeasures such as a pan-coronavirus vaccine. A key driver is the media. And the economics will follow the hype. We need to use that hype to our advantage to get to the real issues. Investors will respond if they see profit at the end of the process. Now, Stu, I'm not going out on a limb. Those are That's his not words. a public health statement. That is a mercenary. That is a mercenary of death. For profit. Death for profit. Oh, and and what does he say? Investors will respond if they see profit at the end of the process. So this let's, let's identify Anthony those investors. Fauci's guy. Okay, so let's identify those investors. Who specifically is he talking about? Well, listen, he's talking about the investors in Moderna, in Pfizer, and in NIAID and CDC. Remember that NIAID and CDC, as much as we pretend these are public organizations and public institutions, they are what we call regulatory capture. They are the front. Think of them as the R&D shop for the Modernas and for the Pfizers and for the AstraZenecas and, and for the Johnson & Johnsons. And the fact of the matter is these companies Going back to 1990, remember the first S1 spike protein vaccine, the first one, was issued to Pfizer in 1990. We are being told this is some sort of new thing, new response, new pathogen, new whatever else. No, it isn't. Pfizer patented the first, in this case, canine S1 spike protein coronavirus vaccine in 1990. And we have, without question, the architect of this scam on record in 2015 stating that a key driver is the media and economics will follow the hype. That is collusion. That is racketeering. And that is under the Patriot Act, Section 802 of the Patriot Act. That is domestic terrorism. Violation of U.S. law, the injection of a bioweapon, according yep. to U.S. code. Yep. The crime is that we have collusion between what is called interlocking directorates inside of antitrust law, we have Anthony Fauci at NIAID. We have the director of the Center for Disease Control in China. And we have Dr. Elias from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, all sitting on a board, all colluding to actually create, price fix, and market direct this pandemic. So there really is no virus. No. Right. So we didn't have SARS until we made the weapon. 
So the patents reflect that the weapon was made before the virus or the the set or of whatever symptoms, this thing whatever is. this is, the set of symptoms being referred to as a virus, yeah, was engineered by man, yep, funded by Fauci and his cronies, paid yep. for by U.S. tax dollars. You and I, yep, paid for this stuff to get done. Yep, leaked out of this lab intentionally in Wuhan, sent all over well, the world. Well, let's cr- let, let's not jump there, okay? Because I, I'm I, I'm going to tell you, I'm the first to suggest to you that that the same mainstream media that made it illegal to talk about the Wuhan leak, you know, six months ago, and then suddenly made it fair game to talk about again, is using distraction about a leak. This is not about a virus. And, and, and the story of where did it come from is actually a total misdirect. This is not, as the official records are very clear, this is not a virus. Okay. If you go on any of the public records, whether you look at the GenBank accession, whether you look at GIS AID, whether you look at any of these things, what you see is what's called phylogenetic trees, where they're trying to determine how did the virus mutate in its various locations. But here's the problem. The problem is nothing started in Wuhan. Nothing. As a matter of fact, if you look at that first two weeks of January, you see gene sequences that are seemingly uploaded from multiple locations. And it turns out that if you go back and you look at the first four sequences that were uploaded, the first upload, which happened on the 20th of December 2019, predates allegedly the first patient. So with all this discoverable, when I'm saying things like, uh, when you start to realize that the vaccine wasn't brought here to fight a virus, but that the virus was introduced to introduce the vaccine, correct? That then things will become a lot more clear. That was an accurate statement. Absolutely, but here's the problem. The problem is the virus story is what Peter Daszak desperately needed. He needed the media to hype a story. Well, it's always about the story, isn't it? Stories drive human civilizations and provide focal points around which to associate and to be social. Religions are created around stories. But COVID, as we've seen, is a narrative, not a fact. In fact, COVID is not a disease, as I heard explained by many people. It's a set of selected symptoms combined to create a defined condition to which they've applied the name COVID, coronavirus disease. And now the narrative is increasingly leaning towards the idea that the COVID injections are indeed a bioweapon, a theme that we've been discussing since day one. But most interesting, Dr. Martin does not believe that the gene sequences originated in Wuhan. Only the narrative started there. And when he concludes that there is no virus, this doesn't mean that there are no viruses, plural, that have been used as the focus of their story. But it was the virus story that was created to introduce the injections, which has been the entire objective from the very outset. The SARS-CoV-2 virus, the one they originally claimed was the novel virus, which wasn't, is no longer around, hence all the variants. But the real variants aren't viruses. They're ever-changing narratives, accompanied by ever-changing goals and objectives, all made public and placed into the minds of people by a corrupt media, which is the vehicle of disinformation and fake news. Just like the doctor said, you know, he quoted them. We need to use the media to hype our advantage, 
to get to the real issues. Investors will respond if they see profit at the end of the process. Well, what else is new, right? What makes Dr. Martin's patent analysis so significant is that it completely coincides with and verifies the many other testimonies of thousands of independent doctors and healthcare professionals who have been attempting to break through the veil of censorship and propaganda to get the truth about the pandemic, the masking, and the injections out to as many people as possible. But of course, as we've all learned by now, facts don't matter to those with a leftist agenda. In fact, every contrived justification for the gene therapy injections is contradictory and therefore cannot be true. I mean, what kind of vaccine have you ever heard about that still requires the vaccinated, quote-unquote, to be fearful of those who have not been vaccinated? That is bizarre. That totally defies any definition or association with the word vaccination. This is such a glaring admission that the vaccines are not vaccines that it boggles the mind. And it certainly boggles the credibility of anyone pushing them on others. So, you know, what can we expect to be happening next? Well, our following audio bite is taken from the July 21st edition of Kevin J. Johnson's show. Kevin being, of course, the mayor-elect of Calgary, which is why he was illegally and unconscionably locked up for several weeks without just cause. That's, I mean, his plight alone could have warranted our doing several shows. But I'm not only pleased, but very relieved to see him in action again. And in this case, interviewing none other than Chris Skye, whose solution to the whole COVID pandemic is simply to just say no. Even though Calgary is pretty much wide open, compared to Ontario, Calgary, or Toronto especially, Calgary is like a veritable paradise right now. Nobody's wearing masks except the really, really poor, poor souls that are terrified, but that's like one out of 100 people. But nobody's bothering you for masks. Everybody's in a much better mood. I actually got into an elevator with other people today and they didn't try to run away from me. So I don't know. It was like, it was a whole different ballgame. And when, and when it's like that, every, it's easy for everybody to let their guard down. It's easy for these protests to just stop and lose all that momentum. And that's why, even though I know this is the time where the protests are going to be the smallest, it's probably the most important time to do a tour and keep the momentum going because we cannot let Canadians go into a lull and believe that this is over because then they're not going to be prepared for what's coming. And what's coming in the fall is another lockdown. Oh, you better believe it is. I mean, you guys know I've got contacts all over the province of Alberta and Ontario. And we did find out that, and like we talked about, Back when we divulged Kenny's secret, Jason Kenny's secret, yes, they are going to lock us down again. Uh, they'll come up with some epsilon wave or some fifth wave nonsense. We know that for a fact. I mean, they got this delta wave out there, even though yesterday with Pat King in court, they admitted that there was not really ever a pandemic in the first place. The Alberta government admitted to this, uh, yet they're still going to lock us down. So, Chris, what is your advice for anybody who who sees this thing happen to them? Like what? Well- it's what do they the do? Same it's always been. You got to just say no right here. It's right here. And why are we saying it? You got to say it, first of all, to the vaccine. If you already took two doses, don't even think about taking that third booster. Don't even think about taking the whole new vaccine that they're going to create for fall for the new variant they're going to come out with. And above all, do not fall for the narrative, which is going to be pushed that the vac- the unvaccinated people are the cause for a new variant that is vaccine resistant. That is going to be the story in the fall that justifies the lockdown of the vaccinated and non-vaccinated 
and turns the vaccinated against the unvaccinated in a massive division of society. And it, because the majority of society has been vaccinated, it will allow the government to manufacture the public consent to try to limit the freedom of movement and freedom in general of unvaccinated people, similar to what they've done in France right now, where you can't even go to a grocery store unless you've been vaccinated or you show a proof of a negative PCR test. So now a simple trip to the grocery store has to be planned out like a vacation and you have to go get a test and show it to them or you can't even feed your family. This is what they want to do here. They want to have complete control over you unless you submit to their medical tyranny. And once you submit to that medical tyranny, you're going to get sick. If you didn't get sick from the first shot or the second shot or the third shot, five, six, seven, eight, nine. How many do you think it's going to take until you hit your clock and you hit yours? You're not going to get COVID 12 times in your life, but you're going to take 12 of those shots because they're going to make you take one every six months. And then they're going to talk about how the unvaccinated are the reason that there's a new variant and the new variant is somehow vaccine resistant. And that just evades all logic, but it's still going to be enough of a rationalization for the people that have complied with this the whole time to get mad enough at the people that are unvaccinated. The only good side of this is finally, finally, we're seeing a shift in society where the average person, we're not talking, people that are non-political, people that have never voted in their life, people that have never gone to a protest in their life are starting to understand what our freedom movement is about and starting to understand that they're not going to get out of this with complying. And for all the people that are still in that dreamland that complying is going to get them out of this, they're going to have a rude awakening in the fall when they get locked down, whether they've been vaccinated or not. And that is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back because these people, the 75% of the people that took the jab and did everything else, like wear the mask and close their business and social distance, they complied with everything. And the rest of us were saying the only way out of this is to stop complying. And they're like, no, 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 we're going to comply. We're going to get our jab and everything's going to be fine. Well, they've done that now. And guess what? Now you're going to have a vaccine passport and now you're not going to be fine. A lot of the vaccinated are going to get sick and they're just going to blame it on a new variant and tell you that you still can't get your freedoms back and you're going to have to take another jab. Well, that's not going to fly with most people. The vast majority, even the dumb ones, and I'm sorry, we have to use that word at this point, but even the dumb ones are going to realize if they didn't give your freedoms back after the second or third or fourth jab, they're not going to do it after the fifth, sixth or seventh. And it's just a way to keep jabbing you and keep the pandemic going. nothing that you just said that I disagree with, not in any way, because what they've done here for the last well year and a half is they've run this massive social experiment to see just how much crap, and, and it is crap, that Canadians are going to put up with. Now, Americans stopped putting up with the nonsense in every way, shape, or form. Chris, you actually spoke about that today live yeah. when you were on stage, but Canadians will put up with it. I mean, we, we've got 14.5 million people in Ontario, the province I was born in, who are complying. With everything, the greater Toronto area has got to be 6 million people and they are complying. And Albertans said they had enough. So they forced the Kenny government into a position where they had to lift all the medical restrictions and the mask mandates. But when they bring them back, are Calgarians and Edmontonians and Albertans going to fight as hard, do you think? Chris, let's hear your thoughts. I think Alberta is going to fight harder than Ontario just because they have all this entire time. And I've been saying from the first time I came here, uh, which was way back in April, and that was the first time I came to Calgary or Alberta in my life, 
that Calgary in particular seems like the fighting spirit of all of Canada. So I anticipated they would be the first to open. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So when you, are you moving to Alberta? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about I don't know if that's far enough away from this tyranny right now because obviously Alberta is going to get locked down just because Jason. I want everybody to understand something. I'm going to teach you two facets of mind control that the government uses on you that's virtually right. every day, and one's called pacification, and the other's called predictive programming. So pacification is when Jason Kenney and Doug Ford went on TV and said, oh, we're never going to do vaccine passports. We're never going to mandate vaccines. We're never going to have a two-tier society. That's called pacification because they just given you a taste of freedom. They're trying to reward all the people that were dumb enough to take the double jab. And they couldn't be able to hold you down in July if they wanted to because there's nobody sick and dying. So it's really hard to perpetuate the idea of a pandemic when it's not even flu season. So they allow you to have that little bit of freedom. However, okay. within days, within days, it wasn't even 24 hours of Doug Ford saying that that they get other public officials to contradict and say the exact opposite. And we had John Tory come on and say, oh, we're going to need the vaccine passport. This is called predictive programming. So after they pacify you and tell you exactly what they're not going to do to you, which is exactly what they intend on doing to you, they slowly start to tell you over and over again what they really had planned to do to you from the start which is the vaccine passport. Then they start doing more predictive programming where they uh, where they release stories that accentuate this. So the other stories you're going to start seeing trickle out over the next days and weeks and the few months leading up to the lockdown are new variants, vaccine-resistant, antibody-resistant. Uh, a lot of stories on how va- non-vaccinated are a danger to society. Non-vaccinated people are terrorists. Virtually everything they can do to try to convince you that a vaccine passport is not only necessary, but inevitable. So then in the fall, when they want to do it, they can get Justin Trudeau to do what he always does, go on TV for five seconds on whatever kind of drugs he's normally on and say, sorry, Canada, (laughs) but because of the cases and the new variant and all the rest of the lies I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to have to do the vaccine passport at a federal level for your protection. And they're going to try to do exactly what they did in France, which is limit your movement and your freedoms in general if you don't take the jab. And they're going to do it at a federal level. So all these cronies like Ford and Kenny and the rest of them can uh, use plausible deniability and be like, I'm against this. I was against this from the start, blah, blah, blah. All irrelevant, all theater. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Loved everything that Chris Guy had to say, and I fully agree with his analysis and with his predictions. Remember, Trudeau has already ordered injections for the next three to four years, so what does that tell you? But one prediction that Sky definitely nailed and that caught my attention was the fact that those who choose not to get vaccinated will be blamed for the political pandemic's monstrous failures. Everything from the mounting death tolls brought about directly by the gene therapy injections to the very collapse of the economy itself. And if you think I'm kidding, here's an example of that very thing that has already appeared in the newspapers. As illustrated by the following article I discovered in the July 23rd, print edition of the London Free Press, but of course originating from the National Post's Financial Post section. And the headline reads, How Anti-Vaxxers Can Affect Your Investment Portfolio. Can you imagine? What does anti-vaxxing have to do with anyone's investment? And this was written by Martin Pelletier, who wrote in this editorial, which was positioned as a financial advice column, 
I mean, the first two-thirds of it basically had nothing more to say than what these two sentences summarize. Quote, equity markets appear to be taking a breather as we move from early to mid-cycle in the post-COVID recovery, with market participants trying to figure out what that means and where we go from here. During these times, it's important to remember that markets don't always go up, and near-term volatility doesn't necessarily imply that a looming meltdown is on the horizon, end quote. And that's basically was the whole message of the first three quarters of the whole article, basically telling us, well, the markets go up and the markets go down. Like, yeah. But here's the subheader that caught my attention. Household spending and anti-vaxxers, and I quote, We received good news out of U.S. retail sales last Friday, showing a rebound month over month in consumer spending, a primary driver of GDP growth. People are tired of being locked up and have now been given a taste of what it's like to experience a pre-COVID world again. This also appears to be in its early stages, as U.S. households are still sitting on quite the nest egg, having accumulated trillions in excess savings during the pandemic. Looking forward, the trillion-dollar question, therefore, is if the stupidity of those choosing not to get vaccinated is greater than many expect, it will result in the rise of the variant this fall and forcing another lockdown. We hate to position our portfolios around stupidity, but it is a risk nonetheless and worth keeping very close eye on. (laughs) End quote. Of course, that was Martin Pelletier. Well, when somebody calls me stupid then that person has opened the door to me using the same label to respond. And Martin Pelletier, your stupidity was much greater than I expected. Talk about ideological excrement and outright fascist propaganda. First, the so-called anti-vaxxers being referred to are those who are saying no to an experimental and highly toxic gene therapy, and it is not a vaccine. They can't be an anti-vaxxer if the thing you're objecting to isn't even a vaccine. Second, by his own printed statements, it is the lockdown that is the financial risk, something completely unrelated to vaccinations of any sort, pretended or otherwise. He's too stupid to have learned by now that even if 100% of the population was vaccinated, lockdowns, masking, passports, all the rest will continue to be enacted. Something we know because our governments have been telling us this, and they've demonstrated this pattern of lying to us for the past two years and beyond. Third, he's too stupid not to realize how hypocritical he is by saying we hate to position portfolios around stupidity, yet have printed comments that demonstrated that he takes delight in positioning portfolios around stupidity. Worse, any stupidity that could possibly be involved in this context would be the stupidity of the government locking down anyone at a time over an issue of private medical choices made. I mean, they've projected the stupidity of the government onto the very reasonable and informed individuals who refuse to allow themselves to be used as experimental test subjects. You see what's going on here? Not only are they setting up the non-vaccinated to blame them for increased deaths and case counts, they're also setting them up for being the cause of the coming financial meltdown. Does any of this sound familiar to anyone? If not, try reading a history book sometime. Which brings me to this final comment about vaccines. You know, I've I've seen several editorials and letters to the editor referring to quote-unquote freedom-obsessed vaccine skeptics. (laughs) It's just unbelievable. First of all, Those of us who are refusing to get the jab are not vaccine skeptics, again, because it's not a vaccine to which we are objecting. Vaccines aren't an element in this debate. 
And this is a fundamental epistemological flaw exposing the whole fraud, at least those who believe that words actually have meanings that relate to something in reality. But to call someone, quote-unquote, freedom-obsessed, it's not even possible to be obsessed about freedom. What is possible is to be obsessed about tyranny. My own obsession is about tyranny, and I'm obsessively opposed to it because it is pure evil. And those who promote tyranny are also obsessive because they love it. Think about it. Throughout this whole BS pandemic, from the very beginning, every fascist politician from Biden to Trudeau to Ontario's Ford to Toronto's Mayor John Tory to my own Mayor Ed Holder, they've all been justifying the lockdowns, the mandated mask muzzles, and now the death and injury-spreading vaccine to save lives. That's what they say. It's for saving lives. I challenge anyone listening to this show to provide any evidence that even one life was ever saved by anything the global governments have done to save lives. It is metaphysically not possible to do so. It's, it's, it's like trying to prove a negative or an axiom. You can't do it. This is why they hate the unvaccinated and those who fail to comply with fascists because they stand out as glaring evidence that none of their voodoo COVID superstitions have any validity in reality. It's a total lie that most of those currently in hospital because of COVID are the unvaccinated. It's the reverse, right across the board, and I'm hearing it from all kinds of sources, inside and out. But in the newspapers, in the mainstream media, they lie to us without even thinking twice. Lives are more important than freedom. That's what the underlying and lying assumption behind this evil freedom-obsessed statement is. In fighting for the freedom of their nations, think about it, soldiers of the Western nations fighting communism and fascism during the last two world wars were praised for risking and sacrificing their lives for freedom. Freedom was clearly seen to be a higher value than life itself, and people were given their lives for freedom. But our current crop of politicians have reversed this hierarchy of values, which also accounts for their obsession with cancel culture. It's Western culture they're talking about. And as I've said before, you can't cancel a culture without replacing it with another. Worse, the only threat to life that our politicians want to save us from is from a virus that does not exist. But the millions of deaths directly caused by the lockdowns, the mandates, the vaccinations are not even acknowledged by these monsters who pretend to represent us and who pretend to care about saving lives. Give me a break. They are so disgustingly hypocritical and beneath contempt that we should round them all up and force them to occupy their COVID internment camps. And then while they're in captivity, we should force them to listen to things that are actually true and righteous all day long over an internal speaker system, you know, like reminding them of what evil people they are for not complying with the will of the electorate. I mean, after all, it's exactly what they've been doing to us on a scale beyond imagining. Theirs is a conspiracy against humanity itself. And speaking of conspiracies, how many of you saw or even knew about Donald Trump's incredible speech delivered in Phoenix, Arizona this past Saturday? You know, just as with the interview between Drs. Ryan Rafulnik and David Martin on the COVID patent conspiracy trail, Trump delivered an incredibly long and detailed account of the election fraud that has been uncovered via the ongoing forensic audits and investigations that have been arriving at some pretty indisputable evidence about what happened in Arizona, a process that has not involved Trump directly in any way, and which was so detailed 
and in some ways so technical that it, it reminded me again of, of Dr. David Martin. And so the comments made by Trump on the weekend that I've edited here relate less to the details of the stolen election than to its political significance and to the larger threat being faced by the United States and the Western world. As everyone here fully understands, the 2020 election was a total disgrace. It was the most corrupt. And I tell this to people, I tell it to Republicans, and a lot of them are very good people, and they say, well, sir, uh, we have to get on to the future. Let me tell you, you're not going to have a future. First of all, our nation is being destroyed, but you're not going to have a future in 22 or 24 if you don't find out how they cheated with hundreds of thousands and even millions of votes because you won't win anything. You won't win anything. I tell people this is the biggest issue there is. This is bigger than the border. This is bigger than anything. This is the biggest issue. It was the most corrupt, dishonest, and unfair election in the history of our country. The Democrats know it. The corrupt media, right back there, a lot of people, they know it. Big Tech knows it. And most importantly, we, the American people, know it. Why wouldn't somebody want election integrity? Why wouldn't they want to know? And I would be very happy, it won't happen, but I would be very happy if they did it and everything was perfect. But you're not going to find that. In fact, the preliminary numbers are a total disaster. The facts are coming out. The truth is being uncovered. And the crime of the century is being fully exposed. Because this was rigged. This election was rigged. And they know it. You know when you win and when you lose. If I lost this election, I could handle it pretty easily. When they steal it from you and rig it, that's not easy, and we have to fight. We have no choice. We have to fight. And it starts right here with the amazing patriots in Arizona. And you're proving the fake news media wrong. You're proving them wrong because the evidence is monumental. And now it's turning out to be a revolution in this country because people are saying even some Democrats they're saying no knowing what happened in the election is a good thing not a bad thing it's a good thing but now what's happening is I believe the courts are going to do a lot it's a big deal going on that was total criminal behavior it's no wonder that Joe Biden and the radical Democrats are going absolutely crazy, screaming about voting rights, ranting about democracy. They want democracy and resisting every effort to look into the massive fraud in 2020. Just so you understand, you know, we talk about cancel culture. The biggest thing that they want canceled is they don't want you talking about the election that just took place because they say, holy shit, they caught us. They caught us. They almost got away with it. They may have gotten away with it. We're going to find out because something's going to have to be done. 
But I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, if somebody robs Tiffany and they steal the diamonds and then they get caught, they have to turn the diamonds back. It's very simple. Amazing the way it works. The great Thomas Jefferson, you know what happened? Georgia, they couldn't count their votes accurately. Hear ye, hear ye, the great state of Georgia cannot accurately count its votes. You know what Thomas Jefferson said? Long time ago, he said, then we will keep the votes from the great state of Georgia. He didn't say we're going to send it back. He didn't do I'm saying just send it back. Maybe it comes back. But when you have more votes in some places by a lot than you have voters, I think Mike would have had the right to say, excuse me, we have more votes than we have voters. If you don't mind, please take a look at it. Just a couple of the basics, just a little basics. So I wish he did that. I wish he did that. The radical left Democrat Communist Party rigged and stole the election, and we caught them. The time to hold them responsible and fix this broken and corrupt system is not in 2022, where it may be just as corrupt, and if it is, you're not going to win, or in 2024. The time is right now here in Arizona. Right now. We don't have the luxury to sit back and to wait until the next election. We don't. So many people, and they're such good. I said it before. Sir, think to the future. You're leading in the polls. We just got back from CPAC. I was at 98% approval rating in the poll. 98%. Sonny, what am I here? I don't know. You think we're at 98? I want to find out. I don't know. 98. 98. And they say to, sir. You're leading in the polls, sir. You're way ahead of everybody. Run in 24, sir. You're going to win. And I say, wait a minute. I just won six months ago. The survival of our nation depends on holding these responsible and we have to hold these responsible elections. We have to hold those that are responsible for the 2020 presidential election scam. It was a scam. Greatest crime in history. Like it or not, we are becoming a communist country. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. We are beyond socialism. You know, when you have no press, when you have no press that you can talk to, that's how a communist country begins. They have no press. We find things in Arizona, and other than a couple of great networks, we have no press. We have no voice. I only have voice because I get great ratings. You know, ultimately, ratings are very important. But even those lights, well, they, have to, they still have those lights going. That's good. I'm very, I'm very impressed. That's good. Thank you. And if the Democrats get some of the things they currently want passed, including the Election of Corrupt Politicians Act, 
an infrastructure which isn't infrastructure, it will get even worse. What they're asking for is incredible. The Green New Deal going to destroy our country, this Green New Deal. It's Green New Bullshit, okay? That's what it is. When we win giant Republican victories and reclaim control over Congress, and really reclaim it over our country, we will halt the radical Biden agenda in its tracks. We'll stop the federal takeover of elections and stop the Democrat attack on voter ID. The Biden administration's action is an outrageous insult to the American people and to our country. The United States of America is the most just and virtuous nation in the world and the history of the world. And I'll tell you, you're not going to have a country very much longer. You're not going to have a country. We are seeing almost every major institution in American life be taken over and weaponized by the extreme left, including law enforcement, the military, the corporate media. These people here, just, you know, it's just, I, I hope they're more than anybody in this room, I hope they're listening because they're destroying our country. And especially the big tech companies which are engaged in illegal censorship of the American people is the first step to restoring free speech in our country. This month, as you probably read, I filed a major class action lawsuit against big tech companies. If you want to join, you can. We're suing Facebook, Twitter, and Google in federal court. And we will keep on fighting until we've reclaimed the sacred right of freedom of speech for every single citizen. But far worse than even big tech is the lamestream media, which is no longer free and, with few exceptions, is totally corrupt and is truly the enemy of the people. That's all that you can say. You know that. What's happening to our country has sadly happened to so many others. We are at the beginning of a communist system. Radicals are seizing power and destroying everything we hold dear as Americans. And it's happening. And I said it was going to happen. They dismantle the rule of law, censor speech, take over the free press, imprison political opponents. You see, that's happening all over. Look at what I've been through for years. And of course, hold fake, phony elections. It was recently revealed that during the hand recount in Fulton County, Joe Biden had batches of ballots go for him. 100 for Biden, nothing for Trump. I got nothing, I got nothing. Give me a, a one vote, one vote. Even Fidel Castro only got 99%, okay. So many of our state and local offices have been overtaken by corruption. The radical left installed partisan Democrat prosecutors who are not interested in equal justice, but political justice. It's happening at a level that we haven't seen this happen in many, many years. They would wield law enforcement against political opponents, inventing crimes that never had been prosecuted before, while murderers and criminals walk free without prosecution at all, all over the streets of our cities in particular. They've turned our cities into banana republics where the innocent are persecuted while crime soars. Just look at what they've done in New York City. Innocent people are beaten in the streets daily. People are shot in Times Square. Rapes and murders are totally out of control. And yet, what are the leftists in 
the Attorney General and District Attorney's offices working on so diligently. This is what they're working on so diligently and with such passion. It's get Trump. They campaign on getting Trump. Their campaign, we're going to get Trump. We're going to take down Trump. They don't talk about the murderers. They don't talk about no cash bail. They don't talk about all these dangerous people walking the streets so people are afraid to come to New York. They're still coming after me because I will never stop fighting and winning for you. No, going through it for five years. Five years. From the very beginning of our movement, we have been fighting against some of the most corrupt, powerful, and entrenched forces imaginable. The professional political class, the deep state, the fake news media, the Russia hoaxers, the globalists, the socialists, the communists, the lobbyists, the corporate special interests who are absolutely terrible, and now the critical race theorists. All of them oppose our movement for a simple reason. We believe in putting America first. It's very simple. We believe in patriotic education for our children, and we strongly oppose the radical indoctrination of America's youth. We're not going to let it happen. We are committed to defending innocent life, protecting our Constitution, and to proudly upholding the Judeo-Christian values of our nation's founding. We embrace free thought. We stand up to political correctness. We don't like political correctness. And we reject the intolerance of left-wing cancel culture. We believe in law and order, and we respect and support the men and women of law enforcement. And above all, we live by the words of our national motto, and it will never, ever change. In God we trust. Sustained by these timeless American values and powered by the strength of these unstoppable ideas, we will press forward and we will have victory after victory. Never forget the heart, soul, brilliance, passion, and patriotism of the young people here today. They're young, great people. And Charlie, I want to thank you. What a job you've done. What a job you've done. And to the devoted citizens all across our country is so much greater than our opponents can even imagine. We are there. We have massive majorities, and we're much stronger than them. Much stronger than them. We're much stronger than they are. Because unlike their agenda, our movement is not driven by the lust for control and domination of others. Our movement is driven by a love for America and an ironclad faith in the American people. I have that faith, and you have that faith. We are not fighting for socialism, communism. We're not fighting for servitude. We're fighting for God, for country, and we're fighting for freedom.
We know in our veins that our American inheritance was passed down to us by generations of patriots who gave everything they had, their sweat, their blood, and even their very lives to build America into the most powerful nation in the history of the world. And we are not going to let it be taken away from us by a small group of radical left Marxist maniacs. I thought it important that you hear some of the real substance behind what Trump is saying, because, of course, these are not the things that the corporate media or the left wants us to hear. And if you've been not only listening carefully, but reading between the lines, Trump's message is quite dramatic. Trump is saying that the crime of the century is being fully exposed, referring to the stolen election, of course. And make no mistake, the other crime of the century, the COVID crime, is also being fully exposed. And the other crime of the century, fighting climate change, is also being fully exposed. You know, the, the green new BS. But what can you make of comments like, you know, people say, just wait till next election and you'll win. But wait a minute, I just won six months ago. Or if someone robs Tiffany and they steal the diamonds and get caught, they have to return the diamonds back. You know, I hate to say it, but everything I've been hearing Trump say at the rallies he's currently holding fits like a glove into the supposedly discredited QAnon narrative. It's remarkable. Better still, it's clear that Trump understands the nature of the conflict and has been aware of it for quite some time. We are at the beginning of a communist system, he says. It's happening, and I predicted it would happen. We are beyond socialism. We have no press, no voice. All the left cares about is get Trump. They never talk about the issues and problems. They're coming after me because I will never stop fighting and winning for you. Amazing. The good news is that Trump gets it. He knows that the left is merely an acronym for lunatic elitists for totalitarianism and for life-ending fascist tyranny. In contrast, the right, R-I-G-H-T, stands for what is right, for individualism, for the good, for happiness to be pursued, and for the truth that also must be pursued to make it all possible. And remember, this is not right-wing because there are many who believe they're on the right and yet accept fundamental collectivist leftist ideologies. That's how you get a rhino. Yet another acronym referring to Republican in name only. But for those who wish to discover what is just right, be sure to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Color it to black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be alright If it's a democracy, shouldn't people sort of discuss things a bit? Well, of course, full discussion. And shouldn't they have the facts? Of course not. They don't want them. Facts complicate things. All that the press, the people and their elected leaders want to know is who are the goodies and who are the baddies. Sorry to appear stupid, but... Oh, perish the thought, but... <laughs> But in my experience, ministers are somewhat concerned about the effect of policy on domestic political opinion. Now, our system doesn't seem to allow for that. Of course not. We take the global view. We ask what's best for the world. But you know what happens when politicians get into number ten? They want to take their place on the world stage. <laughs> People on stages are called actors. All they're required to do is look plausible, stay sober, and say the lines they're given in the right way. <laughs> 
Some of them tried to make up their own lines. They don't last long. 